to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Welcome to this Grit and Grace Life podcast. I'm Darlene Brock, and as many of you already know, I've juggled a lot of balls in life between motherhood and wife and business owner and, you know, entrepreneur, uh, video producer. Um, commune member. That's commune, my favorite. Yeah, that's one of your personal favorites. <laughs> but, you know, there have been seasons where I've thought I'm overwhelmed, I'm not doing anything right, mm-hmm. can I do it all, and is it even right to do it all? Have you ever felt that way, Julie? Absolutely. I am Julie Graham, and I have had all of those feelings, except I've never been in a commune, but I get that struggle of, I want to do all of the things, is it wrong to want to do all of the things, oh shoot, it's nearly impossible to do all of it well. And I feel like people are judging me for the fact that I'm even trying. So we get those feelings. And that's actually what we're going to talk a little bit about on this episode today. But we brought in a friend. And from one podcast junkie to another, you guys, whether or not you have any aspirations whatsoever to ever be in business, I promise you, you're going to want to listen in focused and take notes because our guest talks not only to the businesswoman, but to the woman who needs to be affirmed that her life matters, her gifts matter, and you can make a difference wherever you are. So today we're bringing in Christy Wright. She is an author, a certified business coach, a Ramsey personality. Like Dave Ramsey? Yeah, like in Dave Ramsey, which means she really does know what she's talking about. She must be legit. Yeah, she is. She's also a mom of two boys and pregnant for a third child. And she is wife to Matt. And do you know what she says about herself? Oh, tell me. She says that she is excited about everything and that she assumes you are best friends until you tell her differently. I like her already. I know. I think that we might be best friends, actually. (laughs) Well, Christy, we are so excited to have you here. Um, We know that our friends are going to love you as much as we do because we think that you kind of do, similar to what we do, you have a strong belief in strong women. And that's what we're all about here at the Grit and Grace Project. And we love following along um, and all of the things that you're doing with Business Boutique. And you even wrote an article for us a while back. So we're so excited to get to chat with you about how you're doing all of those things with both with grit and grace. So thanks for oh having my gosh, me. I love the title. I love grit and grace. This is awesome. I'm excited about this. We want to start because most of the women that are in our audience, Christy, are like you. Like Julie said, we are busy women. We have businesses, we have spouses, or we might be single moms, and we have kids, and we have soccer, and we have <laughs> everything else. So before we get into the business side of what you do, tell us how you juggle all that. Well, I think there are a lot of ideas around life balance. There's a lot of um, myths around it. I will say a couple things that have been absolutely integral to me living a life that is both busy, but fulfilling, because you can be busy and very unfulfilled, Mm -hmm. but I'm busy and fulfilled are a few things. Number one, I have a lot of help and I will be the first to to raise my hand and say, my mom lives three miles down the road. If Mm -hmm. I'm sick, I call my mama and she comes and watches my boys. So I don't want anyone to have the perception of me that I do it all. And then they feel guilty when they're not doing it all. I don't do it all. I have a very supportive spouse, but I will tell you one thing that I do to even manage within that, because even within that, I'm amazed that I can have so much help and such a great setup in my life and still never feel like I get caught up. Like I live with piles of laundry. (laughs) I feel like I can never get ahead. You know, it's like, I, I still feel that angst because 
there's just the to-do list is never done. And the, you know, the, the, the demands on our time are unending, but I will tell you one thing that I think I have gotten better at that. I will say a lot of women, and I used to be like this, treat everything in their life as if it's equal. So you've got church, you've got work, you've got side business, you've got kids, you've got friends, you've got volunteering, you've got your neighbor down the street, it's a new neighbor you want to bake muffins for, you've got Mm -hmm. your house, you've got your health, you've got your faith, you've got all these things. And it's like, if you just picture a line, like a straight line that is like a horizontal line, it's as if all those things fall in that line. And so then what happens is when push comes to shove and two things need you at the same time, you have no idea how to make decisions about where to give your time or your energy because you have no priorities, Mm. just have a bazillion demands, none of which are um, prioritized. They're all in the same playing field and you can't be two places at once. If you operate your life like that, you will be anxious and stressed and feel guilty because you're not doing all the things all the time. So I've just gotten really good at prioritizing. Okay, Christy, I have to jump in here. If you have gotten really good at prioritizing, what does that look like? Because I think most of us don't know. I grew up in kind of a messy house. My mom did the best she could, but that's something that I was always embarrassed by our living room. So I want my living room to be clean because that's a priority to me. My bedroom, mm-hmm. not so much. The bonus room, I don't even go in there because I can't spend a- <laughs> Who knows what's growing in the bonus room right now? But like, if I put the pressure on myself to have every room in my house clean, which I firmly believe is impossible with multiple children. Oh, it is. Help, for sure, um, yeah then I would be stressed and anxious. Instead, I I prioritize what's important to me. First, the living room. The living room is a priority to be clean. Bonus room doesn't even make it on the list. Mm -hmm. Like those toys are going to be pulled right back out. So, so I think I've gotten good about prioritizing. I'll give you another example in different, and and there's seasons to this, by the way. Mm -hmm. So like right now, my priorities look very different than my priorities will look this summer, look very different than my priorities will be this fall. Right now, my priority is doing as many podcasts as possible on my own personal business boutique podcast to record ahead of time. So all those episodes go out while I'm on maternity leave. My priority this summer will be to spend as much time with my boys as possible before a third baby is here. My priority this fall will be snuggling my newborn baby girl. Your priorities can shift and that's okay. And they should. I love that, Christy. Um, Here's one thing in that is... I think a lot of mothers, especially, they have guilt because they think their kids should always be top of the list. And I know you balance business and teaching other women about business and their family. So, you know, we feel guilty if business is first, but there are sometimes business needs to take a priority over our children. Yes or no. (laughs) Right. Okay. Let's talk about this. So there's two pieces to this. And I love the way even you asked the question. So one simple trick that has helped me immensely about four years ago um, with this whole idea of guilt, I realized that the source of the guilt in my life comes from one particular thing, always focusing on where I'm not, always focusing on what I'm not doing. So let's say, for example, my to-do list is 75 things long and I do 74, I focus on the one I didn't do. Well, then I feel guilty because I didn't do that one. I didn't do that one thing. Now I've got 74 things that I did do, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to focus on the one. Mm -hmm. Let's use that with our time. Um, You know, I spend all day at work, but all day at work, I'm thinking about my kids. Are they okay? Do they need me? Man, I missed out on the field trip or man, Carter didn't want me to leave this morning. All day, I'm, I'm, my body is at work, but my mind is with my children and I feel guilty because I'm not with them. But then I get home and I'm with my kids and I'm fixing dinner and playing on the playground. I'm thinking, 
I didn't catch up on that email. I didn't meet that deadline. I've got to call that client. And my body's with my children, but my focus is at work. I'm always focused on where I'm not. If you're always focused on where you're not, of course you feel guilty because you are missing your entire life. You are missing every moment that you're in and you're always focusing on what you're not doing. So as simple as this sounds, y'all, I decided to flip the switch and look through the front windshield of where I am instead of the rear view mirror of what I'm leaving behind. But I will tell you that can be a game changer. Simply choose to live your life looking through the front windshield instead of perpetually looking through the rearview mirror of what you're leaving behind. And it will change your focus. It will change your enjoyment of your life. It will shake the guilt and you'll have a lot more pride in how you spend your time and how you live your life. Now you ask something else though, that I think is key to this. And I see a lot of women do this. And I just want to call it out. I may ruffle some feathers here, but that's okay. Kind of like <laughs> we like that. <laughs> we don't mind that at all, Christy. It's perfectly fine. So you asked about your kids should always be the priority. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think this idea has been manipulated mm-hmm. in our minds or in culture's expectations of us so much that it has gone to an unhealthy level. And what we really, when we're saying my children need to be the priority, what some people actually mean by that is my children need to be the center of my universe. Mm-hmm. My children need to be the source of my every fulfillment and gratification and source of identity. And by the way, you are robbing them from the experience of being loved by other people, Mm. by learning from other people like aunts, uncles, mother-in-laws, mothers, grandmothers, teachers, nannies. You're robbing them of the exposure and experience of being loved by a community of people because you are so needy and so codependent that you have to be the source of their every happiness. You are creating an unhealthy child that doesn't know how to interact with other people and be loved and be independent from you, which is frightening. But then also when that child leaves the nest and Lord, I hope they do at 18, (laughs) you will not have anything left of you. You will not know who you are. Who am I? I'm nothing without my children. My children are grown now. And I wear what's left of me because you created an environment that was so codependent and that that can be very dangerous. So I'm not to say, Our children shouldn't be our priority. Our children should be a priority. Of course, they're our children. It's our job to take care of them and love them. But sometimes I love my children by sending them away from me. Sometimes (laughs) I love my children by letting them be loved by other people. Sometimes I love my children by going for a run to take care of myself so that I can come back and love them. So I think it's really, really important for us as women to have a secure identity in who we are and provide an environment where our children are not codependent with us and not confuse what that means of making them a priority. I mean, yes and amen. Reasonable <laughs> drops to the mic. Um, I mean, we agree with everything you're saying. And and I think that women could hear this message every day and still need to say, oh, that's right. That's right. My identity co- doesn't come from what I do, but instead who I am. And also just that message to women who do have a desire to do more than be with their children. I mean, that's that's definitely the women we like to speak to because that's kind of who Dar and I are. We love, um, you know, the things that we're passionate about and the work that we do. And of course, we love our children as well. So we know that that is your, you know, heartbeat, Christy, and that you've created Business Boutique to be a place to encourage women to find their passion and then turn that into a business. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Tell us, you know, kind of how you got into that and, you know, who you exist to serve. Yeah, totally. So a lot of business or most of business boutiques started really with uh, me pulling from my backstory. So my mom was a single mom. She was 33 years old um, when she had me and my dad 
um, and her split unexpectedly when I was six months old. And mm. so she was left with $64 to her name and wow. she thought she was going to be a stay at home mom. And, you know, now she's newly single and divorced and has a baby and has no money. And so mom is scrappy and resourceful and um, entrepreneur to the core. So she decided to go back to something she'd always known and loved, which was making cakes. And she started a little bakery by pitching this wild hair idea to a Candyland business store owner. He had an open um, showcase window that wasn't being used. And she said, can I have this space? I'll make cakes. I'll pay you a percent of my profits. It's a win for you. It's a win for me. And um, her little cake shop grew from there pretty that's, quickly. She was kicked awesome. out because <laughs> there was a line around the block for mom's cakes and not the candy. So um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> she awesome. has grown it um, from that day. But what was so interesting about that is as a young child growing up in the business, literally in the business, being there at two and three and four in the morning, I spent more time with her employees than my own friends most of my childhood because she was mm-hmm. trying to make it work. And that was so foundational for me and shaped my character and my ideas about the world and the future and women and business in in ways that I won't ever be able to measure. And so when I went on to get my own degree in business, became a certified business coach, I had my own side businesses just because I've kind of got some side hustle. I wanted to make some extra money to pay my bills. I started side businesses. You pull all this together and I started to see, wow, there's a real trend in our culture of it's easier than ever before to get into business. You could start a business tomorrow with nothing more than your ID and a Facebook page. So everybody can do it. But then when you get into it, you have a lot of questions. Well, what am I doing? And what about taxes? And how do I price? And how do I pay myself? And how do I sell without being pushy? And I thought, well, I know how to do all that. And mm-hmm. so I can come alongside these women and help women that um, it, that didn't see themselves as entrepreneurs or business owners or business minders, minded. They're almost accidental entrepreneurs. But it doesn't mean they, they're not cut out for business. They just need what anyone needs when you're doing something new. And I think there's something so powerful, even as we're talking about this, um, with how we're wired as women, because yes, there's a financial benefit to it. Yes, there's a marketplace benefit to it. But let me tell you the benefit that I think a lot of people don't know when they get into business, but they experience later. There is an identity benefit to it. Mm -hmm. There is something that happens when you use your God-given gifts. There is something that happens when you make a pair of earrings and you put it on Etsy and you're scared and nervous and feel silly. Mm -hmm. And you've got the major imposter syndrome and you get a ding on your phone because you got your first sale that someone is paying you for the work of your hands. Y'all, there is something in the identity in you that's created. It's not even about the money. Yes, the money is great. And I want to help you make money, but there's such a deeper benefit to doing what we know how to do or what we love how to do. It doesn't matter how you use your gifts. But when you use your gifts and you get paid for it, there's something, there's something I believe in the spiritual about it. When, when God created work and he said, work is good, that we are created to work and you can do your work as unto the Lord. And then you use the gifts that he gave you. You know, I remind women again, again, before your husband, before your kids, before your full-time job, you had a set of gifts and strengths and passions and talents that you offered the world around you. And if we're not careful, we get so caught up in all of our responsibilities and all of our relationships, which we value so deeply as women, that we stop offering who we are. And instead, we just become what we think they need us to be. Mm-hmm. Will they need a ride to soccer? Will they need a task completed? Will they need a warm meal on the table? Will they need a clean house? Will they need? And we just fulfill all these responsibilities we think that people in our life need from us. And in the process, we completely lose ourselves. We lose our passion and those things that we brought to the world before they even existed. And what I remind 
women again and again. And I have to remind myself is what your husband needs from you more than a meal on the table, what your kids need from you more than a ride to soccer, what your job needs from you, what your customers need from you is a woman in their life. And it's in doing that, that you will actually not only find a sense of significance and um, pride in your own identity, but you will actually improve all those relationships that you care about so deeply. You'll be a better mom, a better wife, a better business owner when you use um, your God-given gifts, when you tap into those things that bring you joy. And uh, the fun part of my work is passion and a paycheck are not mutually exclusive. I want to show you how to use your passions to make a paycheck and you get paid for that stuff that lights you up. So it's, it's really fun work, but I think it's important work as well. Mm, love that, Christy. But I have a question for you. I've built several businesses, and in the process, there were times where I felt like I was hitting a brick wall. Like I, I was not accomplishing what I wanted to. The, you know, the opportunities were small, or you know, the the effect wasn't, the impact wasn't there. And I saw a video where you talked about some of your early speaking engagements that I just loved because <laughs> I thought it was inspiring. So can you kind of unpack your starting place so women don't get discouraged? Oh, let's talk about it. Let's just talk about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, what, if, if anyone has seen me speak now, they probably have seen me speak on big stages with big, impressive lights and lots of production and sound and thousands of people. And that's very exciting. Let me just tell you how the vast majority of my speaking engagement um, don't look like that. And they certainly didn't start like that. And so I have spoken at family reunions. I have spoken at high school reunions. I have spoken at Kentucky County Libraries on a Friday night, which <laughs> right there. I'm sorry, that's where I want to go on a Friday night. <laughs> what sounds more exciting than a financial presentation at a Kentucky County Library on a Friday night? Nothing. Nothing is more exciting than that. It's a real party. Three people showed up. Um, and so you you have these events. I have spoken at events where the auditorium was seated for 500 people and two people showed up. And it turns out those two kids, those two college students got extra credit. It's the only reason they were there. <laughs> I've spoken at another financial presentation that was seated for several hundred people. Two people showed up. One woman fell asleep and snored out loud. And the other one literally cut her fingernails with clippers. <laughs> there was something that happened in the reps. There's something that happens in, in the muscles that are being built in those small stages, in those tiny classrooms, in those unimpressive events, in the thinking on your feet, changing on the fly, adapting your talk for an audience that you thought was going to be there and it's a different audience there. And like, there's something that happens in you. And the thing that I think is so pivotal, and this is even a, a, a scriptural truth, is you have to be faithful in the small things before you're ready for big things. And so I would have never been ready for these big stages. Yeah. I would have never been ready for the bright lights and the thousands of people if I did not learn how to hone my craft and be faithful with the two people, even if one was falling asleep and one was clipping her nails. Like <laughs> I have to be faithful in the small things before you can be trusted with the big things. And so those humble beginnings, the Bible even says, do not despise small beginnings. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, with Instagram and with comparison on social media, we see so many people becoming successful. We see big, impressive businesses and think they're an overnight success. One of the things that I love this reminder too, is I think people think, well, once you become successful, then you just stop. You stop practicing, you stop learning. You just, you've made it, you've arrived. Mm -hmm. And I love the example of, um, I saw this on Instagram, Beyonce's homecoming. She practiced for eight months for a two hour presentation. 
Now, Beyonce, the queen of the world, <laughs> practice, practice. Think of the humility of practicing, being a student, learning, you know, and, and you have to keep that mindset at any level of success. But if you don't have the humility to learn as a beginner, you're not going to have the humility once you do have the bright lights. If you don't have the heart of a student when you're a beginner, you're certainly not going to have it once you think you know everything and you've got people lined up to tell you how brilliant you are. So there's something in your character that's being developed to under to, to value the hard work, the small beginnings um, that lead to the bigger results that everyone wants. And, and I tell people all the time, it's the impressive things in life always start as unimpressive things. It doesn't start like that. No one walks on their first speaking event as a 5,000 seat arena. No one does. Mm -hmm. Everyone starts somewhere and so will you. So give yourself permission to be a beginner, to fail, to mess up, to learn, to pick yourself up, dust yourself off. Every successful person ever has failed. And so you're in good company. It's a part of the process. Buckle down and just keep going. Yes to all of the things. I mean, I love that concept of being willing to um, basically submit to the smaller opportunities, knowing that you need that rep count um, to be able to grow to where you believe that God wants to take you one day. And I know that there's there's somebody listening who has a dream buried deep in her heart underneath the 75-point to-do list, <laughs> um, and she just needs to know that it's okay to be focusing on um, you know, succeeding today and in the tasks that are before her, even if they're not ultimately where she wants to be. So I really appreciate that encouragement. And I know that it's going to speak to someone else today. I was on a podcast one time. There was a girl, this was um, years ago and she was just starting a podcast and she interviewed me and she, this was her first, first podcast she'd ever done. And she just bulldozed through the whole thing. She didn't respond to any of my questions. Like it was very robotic and I'm sure she was nervous. But afterwards, I would, you know, whenever we were kind of wrapping up or whatever, said, so can I give you some feedback? And I was kind of surprised that she didn't ask for feedback because I'm like available to her to give her feedback. She didn't ask for feedback. And I said, can I give you some feedback? And she said, yeah. I said, I said, here are some things that were really great. Here are some things that I think um, next time you can work on, make it more conversational and respond and acknowledge what I said instead of just moving to the next question. And she was so defensive and caught off guard by the fact that I was giving her feedback. I thought, oh man, she's not gonna be able to grow because if you can't, receive feedback from someone that is seasoned, more seasoned than you, more experienced than you, further along than you, then you're not going to be able to grow. And so I think um, part of it is just asking yourself, like, why? Why did that not work? Let me dig into the, the metrics if we're talking about website traffic. Let me dig into the reviews if we're talking about a product or speaking event or um, something like that. So just being willing to dig in and ask yourself why that didn't work. And I'll tell you, I have done that personally for almost everything I've ever done that's major. So every new product, what worked about it and what didn't. Um, every new launch, what worked, what didn't. Every event, what worked, what didn't. What do we need to improve and make this better? And and man, this really didn't connect. And I've even done that on stage. So I think it takes incredible humility at, to receive the feedback and being willing to even ask the questions. Why did that not work? What needs to change about um, something I control or what needs to change about me and my approach and my leadership? Um, you know, I, I can't tell you how many business leaders I work with that just complain and gripe and moan about their team members. And I'm like, you know what the problem is? The problem is you. <laughs> you're their leader. You're allowing it. You're endorsing it. You're not fixing it. You hired it. You're keeping it on. Your, like, it all comes back to you as the leader. And so I think as a leader, we have to be real honest with ourselves and ask the hard questions 
of what we need to change. It's a personal responsibility message. We are not victims and you will never get anywhere in life with a victim mentality. Instead, you're going to say, you know what, what can I do better? I can do better next time. I'll change this. I'll fix this. And, uh, and asking those hard questions can get you the answers that can change the game for you, but you have to be willing to ask and you have to be willing to actually accept the answer. Yeah. I mean, I think just looking at the balance of those things, the grit and grace of those things, some of us are afraid to ask the questions because, you know, our pride will get in the way and we don't want somebody to point out our negativity. And then some of us are afraid to ask the question because once we get any negative feedback, we're going to completely shut down and we won't be willing to go forward. We'll hear it as, you know, I'm horrible. I'm awful. I shouldn't even be doing the thing that I'm doing. And it's, it's neither one of those. It's somewhere in the middle. It's hearing the feedback, making changes and yet still moving forward. So I love that. Well, and it's also, it's, it's separating yourself from your work in a healthy way, because I think that it goes back to a lot of people struggle and myself included. A lot of people struggle with this idea of codependency of I'm not okay, unless you're okay with me. And that's what we're talking about. Whereas if you have some work that didn't go well, your project didn't go well, your business didn't go well, something went wrong. You can hear that negative feedback and go, it doesn't mean I'm a failure. It meant that one of my actions was not up to par or I need to change my behavior. I need to change this decision. This was the wrong decision, but it doesn't mean I am a failure. And if you are not secure in your identity, if you're not secure in your identity in Christ and your identity and who you are, where everyone's perception of you or every mistake you make or don't make or whatever is a, a, a mark on your report card, you will be very anxious and tossed here and there by the waves of life. And instead it's like, you have got to have a solid foundation of a rock where yes, you can approach your business from a place of strength, but then you can hear that and realize, you know what, that's not a reflection on me. Like I'm terrible. I can't do this. I just need to change this one thing. So let me give you an example. I work with Dave Ramsey here and he's a very dominant personality. He's the CEO of our organization. So naturally a lot of people are scared to speak up in meetings with him. There a lot of people are scared to disagree with him, mm-hmm. even if they think he's wrong. You know, we go in with a plan. Here's what we're going to do. And he says that plan will never work. No one will fight for it. And, but what's, what's different is if you walk into that room with him or anyone for that matter, and you're secure in your identity of who you are, you're secure in, in who you are. And you're secure in the relationship, realizing if he disagrees with me, it doesn't mean that he hates me. It doesn't mean I'm going to get fired today. So if you walk in there, secure in your identity and your ideas and your opinion or whatever, and you're secure in your relationship with him, then you can disagree with him. You can argue with him not in a, in a respectful way, but you can fight for your idea. And I can't tell you guys how many times I have been in a boardroom with 15 men and Dave Ramsey, and no one will speak up but me. And I will go head to head back and forth with him on something. And some I win and some I lose. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean I win all of them, but my gosh, it's like I walk out of there and even the ones where I lose, I'm not going, oh my gosh, does he hate me? You know what I know about Dave? I know that he actually respects me because I told him the truth. People will respect you if you speak the truth, but you've got to be secure in your identity to be able to do that. And so when you're secure and you have this inner confidence that does not waver based on how everybody else thinks of you or doesn't, it can change everything about your relationships. It also changes how you experience your own business as you're able to go for bigger goals receive feedback, grow, try new things. Like that confidence is critical to everything. Love it. And actually, I love everything you've said. And I know our listeners, Christy, are going to be incredibly inspired by you, which leads me to how can they get more of you? I know you've written a book, but I know you offer a lot more services. Tell us a little bit about what our listeners can tap into that Christy Wright offers. 
Oh gosh, sure. Well, businessboutique.com is where you can find all the things, but we have a business boutique podcast that goes out right now twice a month. And that's where we have great interviews, but it also will give you teaching and steps on how to build your business and chase your dream. Um, a lot of inspiration, but also tactical steps. We have the business boutique book, which is available wherever books are sold. And that's really my plan for your business to help you chase your dream and make money doing what you love. We have courses. If you're interested in courses, we have my coaching group. It's closed right now, but it'll open in the fall. And then our biggest thing coming up is our um, annual business boutique conference, which is in Nashville, October 24th through the 26th. And it's three days of rockstar A-list speakers. We do this every fall. Um, and it's just a really fun time, huge event. It sells out early every year. So if you're interested in going, um, I'd get your tickets in the next month or so. because it always sells out. It's about half sold out right now. Um, but we have a lot of different ways for people to get the inspiration and encouragement that they need. I don't care where they get it. Um, I just want them to get that help because I promise you, whatever your dream is, it is worth fighting for. And even if you feel unqualified, even if you feel like, oh my gosh, who am I to do this? Everybody else can do it better, faster, cheaper, cuter. You know, everybody else is doing it already. Um, there's room for you. There's room for you in the marketplace and the world needs what you have to offer. All you need to do it is just what anyone needs, which is a little bit of help. So I just hope you get that help wherever you get it. Um, your dream is worth fighting for. And we need you to step into those gifts because the world needs what you've got. Girl, I love everything you're sharing. I completely 100% agree. I'll make sure to link into the show notes to over to your website and to your podcast and to your Instagram. Um, can I ask you a super personal question based on what I've seen on your Instagram sure. so far? Yeah. What color are your shoes today? Because <laughs> oh I know you're a shoe girl like me. They're so, okay. I got to tell you, you're gonna be so disappointed in my oh, answer. No. They're so boring. They're so boring today. They are <laughs> um, light gray flats because since I'm pregnant, I'm I'm not on heels right now. Oh. It's normally you know, I'm a heels girl. But oh wait, you don't wear heels while pregnant? Is this a thing for you? That yeah, it's just my back oh, and okay. I've got I've got diastasis. I got all kinds all of. Right. Tell you, third babies will just take your body down. But anyway. <laughs> Sandals in the summer. Sandals in the summer. I'll be back to my heels in the fall. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, congrats on your baby, by the way. That's thank so exciting. Um, well, thank you so much for spending time with us. I know our listeners are going to love this episode and listen to it again and again and come on over and follow you. Um, and hopefully some of them will sign up to be coached by you. So thank you so much for your time. Well, Christy, thank you, the you best. guys for having me. Thank you for what you do. We are kindred spirits in this space of championing women. And it was just an honor to be here. So thanks so much. See guys, we told you she was going to be our new best friend. 100%. All right. We love to close at our episodes with a quote. And we actually found this on Christie's Instagram that you're going to want to start following. She quoted Craig Groeschel and he said, it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. So take that into your grit and grace life this week. Thanks for listening to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by the Grit and Grace Project online magazine. Whether you're listening in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or streaming the show, be sure to take a couple moments to subscribe, rate, and review so you never miss the next episode. You can also share the show with a friend you think might enjoy living a Grit and Grace life with us. Every week we share all the details on everything we discuss in the episode at thegritandgraceproject.org. We'll catch you on the next one.